Hey there listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes, who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs, choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Ashvin, I've got Brian on the phone with me, and on this week's episode we're going to be talking about the 2022 film Terrifier 2, directed by Damien Leone and starring Lauren Lavera, David Howard Thornton, Elliot Fullman, and Sarah Voigt. In the sequel to the 2016 film, Art the Clown returns a year after his first attack to stalk residents of Miles County. If you're new to our show, Brian and I are going to have a spoiler-free discussion at the top of the episode. We'll take a quick break, you'll hear some music, and then we'll dive into the plot, the spoilers, and our review. Brian, to prep for this episode, I went back and I listened to our review of part one from... I think that must have been like 2018 that we recorded that. Have you heard that episode recently? No, I I haven't really been venturing back to the old episodes. I find them too hard to listen to. <laughs> it always sounds like you're really angry at me in those early episodes. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the impression I get when I listen back. Like, man, does this guy hate me or something? This guy <laughs> hates my gut. <laughs> yeah, I know. wonder when that changed. But <laughs> uh, you remember your old uh, rating at least? I, I think you gave it a two and a half and I came in at a four. Oh, I thought I gave it a two. Oh, maybe it was a two. Okay, yeah, I, yeah. I might have given you an extra half of a bump there, but yeah, I think I think the whole episode we were pretty down on just like how gory it was. I don't think either of us were like too into it. Yeah, what did you give it? I can't remember. I I gave it a four, and it, it's weird because like we're we're kind of like shitting on it as we go. Like this is way too extreme. But I, I think at the end, somehow, like, I applauded it. Maybe because at that point, you were subjecting me to a lot of old films. And, like, finally we were watching, like, something modern that had, like, some scare factor. So I was pleasantly uh, surprised by it. But, yeah, I, I think I came out at a four. Nice, nice. Cool. D- yeah, and, you know, it's funny because I remember giving that movie a two. But my respect for it has grown since then, and it's yeah. stuck in my mind a lot more than a lot of horror movies that I give twos to, mm-hmm. or even that I give threes to. And I was excited for this sequel. I I I think I may have even mentioned it in that episode. Like, even though I didn't like this movie, this is like a slasher icon. Like we witnessed the birth of a slasher icon in Art the Clown. Yeah, right. Uh, and, and like, after how many decades are we finally like seeing a new? icon um like yeah i I can't think of like in in recent history another type of like slasher that's being built on a character like a singular character like this who like yeah he he's a real throwback to old school like michael myers uh and all those guys right yeah for sure and i i can't think of many modern examples either i know the hatchet franchise is a fairly modern slasher franchise but Mm. i don't think that really is analogous to Art the Clown. But we should check those movies out. Yeah, I haven't even heard of those. What about, like, Jigsaw? Do you think he's, like, a... I, I don't know if I would call him like nah. a slasher at all. Yeah. Right. I mean, and he's... I mean, that's old now, you know? That's from yeah. two, 20 years ago, almost. Yeah, that's true. That's pretty dated by now. Yeah, so this is kind of, like, the closest thing we have to, like, a modern-day uh, slasher icon. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, I feel like since the movie, we've talked about it favorably... Yeah, I think he's made some of our like top five lists in terms of kills or villains. Like uh, he's definitely got like some kind of staying power and something about him in, in that film that worked right from the first one. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I'm gonna go ahead and say that is that is David Howard Thornton. And 
Damien Leone's like makeup work on Art the Clown. He looks legitimately scary. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, we were recently discussing, I think we had two separate discussions going maybe regarding Nightmare on Elm Street and Hellraiser. Like it'd be that there's a difficulty in making a Nightmare on Elm Street movie without having Robert England play Freddy. And there's a difficulty in making a Hellraiser movie without having Doug Bradley play Pinhead. Mm-hmm. And I know Terrifier is only two movies at this point, if you don't count All Hallows' Eve, but it's very hard to believe that this won't become a franchise with many more movies. I think it would be hard to make a Terrifier movie without David Howard Thornton behind the mask. Like, And it's interesting, too, because he's he's kind of like... He's not quite like Pinhead, because you cannot easily recognize art as David or David as art. And he's not quite like Robert England because this is a non-speaking role. So I, I don't know. I'm interested to hear what you think. Do you think he could swap out somebody else or does it pretty much have to be David Howard Thornton? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm surprised to hear you say like that about David Howard Thornton because, yeah, w- watching it, I, I don't feel like I could, like if I saw David Howard Thornton, I, w- I wouldn't recognize him, I, right. I don't think, based on this. So, uh, And I think actually, so Arthur Clown, the character, has been around dating back to like 2008 in a movie called The Ninth Circle. It's a short film that uh, Damien Leone did. And I think it was a different actor then, right? And then it's only in like these last two or three films that this guy stepped in. So yeah, I, mean, I, I guess not having seen someone else play this role, it's hard for me to like uh, really call out the signature of the actor. But you think there's something there? I think he's got a background in miming from what I understand. And I mm. think this is something that looks... That is harder than it looks, probably. Sure. Uh, so he was in the ninth circle. I didn't realize that. Yeah, I think there's a, a, a short part. Yeah, I mean, Arthur Clown now is like this fully like uh, built-out character. It's got his own Wikipedia page. And yeah, he's been like kind of popping up in little shorts here and there that uh, Damien was doing. And then, as you mentioned, in All Hallows' Eve, which I think was an anthology, right? That was an anthology from 2013, yeah. And then there was a Terrifier short from 2011. Right. Right. But apparently I didn't realize he was in that other one too. Yeah. That other short. I'm pretty sure he was, he was in the ninth circle as well. So gotcha. uh, he's been around and now this guy, Damien Lone, is getting to make films about him. And it's kind of cool to like watch this story unfold and develop over like a decade into like these feature length films. And then obviously with this film, he's going in a even bigger direction by bringing in other main characters. Uh, did you read about his intent? With the, with the storyline and and like the characters he wanted to bring, he wanted to bring in, um, I don't think so. With Terrifier two, you mean? Yeah, yeah, and like this whole idea of like uh the and or like the the superhero versus Art the Clown. I knew he had kind of this vision of like the angel like warrior fighting Art the Clown, but yeah, I couldn't quite understand and and draw that like pull that thread through like what he was envisioning aside that. <laughs> All I got was he had this vision of the angel fighting art, but I didn't. That's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, is that it? Okay. Yeah, and well, building... it's interesting, and we'll talk about this in the review. It seems like the plot is pointing towards something greater than it is, but it's yeah, it's still a little unclear to me by the end of the movie. But we'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah, I, I saw in an interview he kind of said it was like the Batman to the Joker, like kind of a full fleshed out character that like plays opposite to the the villain. So mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's kind of where he was going with this one, which, you know, I mean, g- going back to the first film, that one, um, 
I, I don't know, like, uh, I, th- I think part of what made it so fun for me was, like, you have these... I, I And we talked about this a lot in our review, that, like, you don't have a lot of character development. It's just these two women who are out one night and suddenly find themselves getting attacked versus this one you have more of a main character, right? Yeah, for sure. The character development here is very different. And I, from what I read, he heard criticisms of the first film like ours oh, <laughs> i'm okay. sure he didn't listen i got <laughs> hope he didn't listen to that yeah uh but i think he heard similar criticisms so he worked really hard and like really focused on his screenwriting to yeah. make to correct those issues and, and make it more of a story more fleshed out characters yeah really cool to see a director evolve like that yeah for sure and it, it cool too to see him be so honest about like I saw these reviews and I wanted to fix the problem, so I like studied up on screenwriting. <laughs> I feel like that's kind of a cool, vulnerable thing to say yeah, uh, in an is. industry where I feel like people try to act like yeah, they just shots. were born knowing how to do what they do. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, I like that approach. That's really neat. He's open and honest about it. So Damon Leone, um, he's the writer, director, producer. I think he's also a huge special effects guy. Is that, is that your opinion as well? Yeah, I mean the special effects. Special effects by Damien Leone is how it appears in the credits. So, oh, okay, special okay. effects makeup rather, I believe. Yeah. Which so I mean, yeah, he he did this shit. He he slaved over some pretty elaborate effects. Yeah, this would be a great time to mention too that if you're somebody who listens without having seen the movie, this is a pretty graphic film, and will probably describe some pretty graphic murders. Um. I think a lot of people were probably li- are probably listening just because they can hear it but don't want to see it. So, yeah, I might be in that camp. <laughs> uh, it's yeah, it's. I mean, he, he's the talented dude. Uh, I mean, that was a huge thing in the first one that I, I think hit both of us pretty hard. Um, and that was before, like, I think we'd got too much into new French extremity and stuff. And here, I think he brings a lot of that back to uh, great effect. Uh, what do you think? Like, is this torture porn or is a, a different type of gore? Well, Mike Flanagan tweeted a positive review for the film, and he tried to coin a new term, a new subgenre tag, called the Mega Slasher. Hmm. Which I think is interesting, yeah. And I think, I don't know off the top of my head what other movies will be. I saw someone commented on the tweet, like, hey, maybe Halloween Kills is a Mega Slasher too. Yeah. I don't know if I really agree with that. Um I don't know what the... I'd be interested to see what Flanagan's description of a mega yeah. slasher is. I assume it's just a slasher that goes even harder on the violence, probably doesn't bother trying to get an MPAA rating, mm-hmm. and it's just vividly gory and gruesome. Hmm. Yeah, I, I'm surprised, because yeah, mega slasher to me means like high body count, which is, yeah, where like Halloween kills or like the whole Halloween franchise falls into... Um, this one, not necessarily like a high volume, but really torturous or like pretty gratuitous murders. So, right. um, do, yeah, you, you think that's what, where he was going with it? I think I would guess that's where Flanagan was going with it, but I do yeah. not know. I, I think it's always interesting to try to name things and box things into a certain subgenre. I feel like it's its own little thing with how vividly violent it is and a new french extremity almost is in that but most mm-hmm. of those aren't quite slashers like i'd say inside is close to being a mega slasher but it's 
too much of a home invasion movie for me to call a slasher. Hmm. Okay. And why not torture porn? Eating just from an I atmosphere perspective? Be- I think mostly just because of the setup. Like, there's nothing... No one is being tortured. The point isn't really to inflict pain. He's just... Well, I guess maybe it is. He he relishes in people's pain. Like that's part of what makes art so creepy is that he is so amused yeah. and giddy over it. Um I don't know though. I feel like torture porn is a more specific thing where you're really as an audience there to see people suffer. Hmm. And I feel like here it's more about quote unquote the kills. Like, which probably means nothing to outsiders looking in who aren't horror fans. Like, what's the distinction there? Yeah. But I just feel like slasher movies have a long history of, like, what's this kill going to be? What's the setup? What's the, how's he going to do it? What weapon? Who's going to come in the room and see it? There's a whole, you know, everything surrounding the kill is what makes up a kill. I'm sure we discussed some of this in our Top 5 Kills episode. And I think that is the draw of a slasher, whereas torture porn is more like, we don't really have to get inventive with the setting or anything else happening in the scene. We don't need to make it dynamic. We just need to make it vivid and painful and see suffering. Hmm. This movie does do that, but it's more concerned with the kill, with this, the kill than a torture porn movie is. Yeah, I'm not sure if I buy that because uh, I I agree. Like that's my favorite part of a slasher is like the the who, what, the where, when, how, um, and usually like you know you can sum it up in a sentence or two. The kills in this film, as as we'll talk about, like drag on, and so I feel like that part of the equation on like how the kill and where it's happening and stuff is minimized in it. The focus I think is exa- like more on the details and how long it's stretched for and the level of torture that's happening. So. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I I definitely feel like this is a slasher that focuses more on the torture aspects than necessarily the the type or the uh, um, specifics of the kill, I guess. I think it's a debate to be had. It's not an easy answer. Yeah. And I almost feel like you can see the root of a mega slasher in like a Friday the 13th. If you go to YouTube and look at all the kills that were cut in Friday the 13th movies by the MPAA, mm-hmm. those unedited kills can be pretty vivid and gruesome and creative and i think that's almost like yeah the birth of a you know the kindling of the fire of a mega slasher and Mm. and that kind of stuff sure so not to say there aren't other slashers out there from long ago that are especially violent but yeah that's a specific thing where you're like oh let's see how he does it and how gruesome it is like and that's what the people are there for and let's make it last like five ten minutes yeah right all but right. combined with where is he? Where is he going to pop out here? <laughs> like, is this character going to be safe? Sure. Okay. The mega slasher. All right. Final final girl trope. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Maybe we'll go that one to Flanagan. Um, well, uh, the other background I had was, oh, buzz about the film. Um, I think it was, uh, people were like excited for the sequel to come up and it did really well. It made 10.9 million on a budget, $250,000. Um, had like, you know, like limited distribution. I don't think it was a wide distribution, was it? No, just limited release in specific theaters. Um, yeah. It was distributed by Bloody Disgusting, which is, they don't distribute a whole lot of films. I meant to look up what else they've done. Um, I feel like they did the first one. Did they do the first one? Was that like Dread Central or something? 
I can't remember if they did the first one or not, to tell you the oh, truth. Okay. Um, I know Brad Miska has some hand in the VHS films. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm not entirely sure how much Bloody Disgusting as a company is involved in producing other films. But sure. I'm guessing we'll see more of that. And they now have their own new streaming service, Screenbox, which is what each of us watch this on. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, so that's Bloody Disgusting streaming service. Yeah, it is. Damn man, I was I was so pissed to have to subscribe to that. Like we, there's Shutter. Like why did you have to make another streaming service just for horror films? Like it's just duplicative at this point. I got a free trial, and I think I'll probably cancel it. I'll I respect and love Bloody Disgusting, but yeah, I just yeah. it's hard for me to subscribe to a second horror service. Yeah, yeah, I agree. and they're early on too, so we'll we'll see how this goes. They might get a lot more interesting stuff on there, but. Mm-hmm. There's one other movie that piqued my interest on there. But. Oh, which one? I can't remember what it's called now. It's um, it's like this tongue-in-cheek black comedy that I think somebody emails me, emailed us about and was like, hey, I'd love it Like if you guys checked this out or reviewed it. Hmm. And, you know, we get some of those emails, and I watch the trailer, and I'm like, oh, you know. Yeah, and that's that, only that on looks, Screenbox. It, it's a student film or whatever, but this one was like, oh, that looks really good, and shit, and now I can't remember it, I'm sorry. Yeah, and it's only on Screenbox, so like they're doing their own content? I think it's only on Screenbox, yeah. Okay, damn. That's what the world needed, some more streaming services to have right? their stuff on. Yeah. I mean, it, it, and their streaming service is cheap, bloody disgusting. I think if you pay for it lump sum, it's like 250 or $3 a month. But Oh, sure. It's kind of a bit of a death by a thousand paper cuts with streaming services yeah. sometimes. Yeah, I mean, even Shutter is like, what, like five bucks a month or something? Five bucks it? a month, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, you're right, it all adds up. Um, that's all the background. I, I think it's got like a 89, 90% run tomatoes, so pretty well reviewed. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm surprised to, to see this kind of movie getting such high reviews. Like I know, me too. 87% from critics and 81% from users. That's what it is, yeah. Right. Um, any other background or Ohio connection? Let's do Ohio connection. All right. As always, our friend Alex connects every movie we watch to our home state of Ohio for us. Alex owns the Jukebox Bar and Restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio. If you're in the area, swing by for some great drinks and great food. And Alex says Terrifier 2 is a splatter slasher film written, directed, edited, and produced by Damien Leone. Hey, there's another genre tag to add. Yeah, splatter. splatters. The story follows Art the Clown's resurrection and pursuit of two siblings on Halloween night, a year after the events of the first film. It features cameos from two screen queens, Felisa Rose and Tamara Glynn, as well as professional wrestler Chris Jericho. Jericho is a decorated wrestler with a prolific career spanning four decades, highlighted in 2001 when he became the first undisputed WWF champion. In 2010, he formed a brief WWE tag team with fellow wrestling superstar The Miz, Michael Mizanin, known professionally as The Miz, was born and raised in Parma, Ohio. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. I I assume (laughs) we have some wrestling fans that probably realize I mispronounced a name or two, so I apologize. Uh, Yeah. yeah. I know. I I saw, like, there's a big cameo from him. I had no idea who he was. Uh, Do you follow him or did you know him? No, I only really knew who he was because he was a guest on Joe Bob's show on Shudder at some point. Ah, okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. And I think I might know who who he is based on uh, some of our listeners on Discord talk about wrestling sometimes. There does I th- I forget who's saying this, but uh, did, were you saying it that there appears to be an overlap uh, with horror films on the wrestling community? 
It seems like it. Yeah, the surprising amount of wrestling fandom in the horror community. Ah, okay. Cool. I Good love all you guys, but I'm just going to say I don't get it. <laughs> Brian's baseball or nothing. <laughs> I've the, been super judgy lately, and I'm just kind of letting it fly. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Adding it to the list of people. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, just going to take this podcast to the ground by yeah. judging every single one of our fans. Exactly. Looking down. All right. So, well, are you ready to talk about the plots, uh, go through some gross stuff, and spoil the film, review it? Let's do it. Cool. Hey, uh, before we do though, do we mind? Do you mind if we take a quick break? I, I just wanted to grab some food uh, down the street really quick. Sure, go for it. All right, thanks. I'll be right back. Hey, Brian. Sorry about that. I'm, I'm back. Hey, buddy. Hey, what'd you get? Oh, man. There's a new spot down the street called the Clown Cafe. Every time you walk in, they're playing this really dumb song. Uh, the dishes are okay, but I, I just... Every time you eat it, you gotta like pick these bees out of your mouth afterwards, and some razor blades pop out, too. Which is nice. You save money on razor blades, but, you know, you gotta believe a little <laughs> bit. I guess. Uh, I gotta go to the hardware store and I'm hungry. I know what I'll do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Knock two things out at once. <laughs> Efficient. All right. Well, uh, this movie kicks off uh, similar to like Halloween too. Like it starts off uh, right after the events of the first film. Art the clown has come back to life uh, during uh, an autopsy, I think, which is where we last saw him in in the first film. He kills the coroner by ripping this guy's eyes out and like kind of going into his skull and beating him with this little hammer. And then he goes uh, to this laundromat where he washes his clothes. And while he's there, he envisions this little clown, this little girl who's dressed as a clown. And she, I think, poops on the floor and like they're laughing about it. And then he leaves the laundromat uh, and kills. And we see he's like killed one of the customers. What you, you think about this opening? Uh, I thought it was fairly solid. We're seeing art in like a really well-lit room, which kind of like killed a little bit of illusion for me right off the bat, just because, uh, I don't know. I, I think you saw a good clean view of him a lot in the last film, but yeah. he was a little less scary in this one. He's naked in a laundromat, you know? Uh <laughs> But I thought that little girl was pretty creepy. She was, yeah. Um, and I think, uh, do you know like the story behind her? I, I was reading somewhere. I think she might have appeared in one of the earlier films, like uh, before this franchise. But do do you know much about her? I don't know much about her other than what they tell you in this film later that okay. a girl died at a carnival at some point or something like that. Oh, I missed that in this film. Um, yeah, she's presumably a girl who was murdered oh, okay, by okay. art at some point. Got it. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. Like, uh, we're like, this jumps right into him, like in full on torture killer mode, which I think the first one, it kind of like took some time to get there. The first one did start with like a, uh, an attack, like in the newsroom. Right. Um, do you remember that? Like the Victoria, the wraparound story, she like murders the anchor woman. Oh, right. Right. It kind of started in the future and then went backwards to the past. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, and there was some eye stuff there. So here again, we're starting with the eye stuff, him ripping out this dude's eyes and putting them in his sockets. 
and just like going nuts. So yeah, I, I thought this was like a pretty brutal and crazy opening. Um, I kind of missed like the vibe of the first one where it warms up to his uh, his level of torture, and here we're kind of like right in it as as it kicks off. But they, were, were you like shocked at all by it? No, I mean I think they had to. I I think everyone's expecting a lot from this movie, so I think it was the right move to start with some fairly ultra violent stuff right off the bat so people can be like okay here we are like i'm yeah. getting tucked in and i'm ready to go sure this is so, what i came for yeah i yeah. mean i think it's all navigated pretty well so far okay so we cut a year into the future and we meet our main character sienna she is a young woman who i believe uh is in high school or college you, you ever you, did you get a read on this i think it's high school okay so what we know about her is that she has been obsessing about making this Halloween costume that was inspired by a drawing that her dad had done. Had done, uh, but we also learned that her dad had passed away a, a few years ago. Maybe she lives with her mother and younger brother. Her younger brother is obsessed with Art the Clown, uh, following the events of the past year, and he wants to dress up as him for Halloween. She has a dream one night where she's eating at a place called the Clown Cafe and everyone is singing some dumb song about it and Art the Clown shows up and uh, kind of does a, a fun like clown gig before pulling out a machine gun and killing everyone and then he goes to kill Sienna in the stream but she manages to block his fire attack with a sword that her father gave her. Um, she wakes up from the stream and sees that her room is on fire because her Halloween costume has uh, lit on fire. Uh, but her mother comes in and puts it out. What, what did you think of this dream sequence so early on in the film? I thought it was... So my alerts were on with this movie right away for it to feel bloated uh, because the runtime's like, what is it? I don't even remember, like two hours and 20 minutes or something like that? It's like that. an hour longer than the first one, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I was already like on high alert for moments like that, and I do feel like the dream sequence felt pretty stretched out and unnecessary but in the end it's to have more art the clown scares and also to show that there's some significance to this sword yeah yeah i guess uh yeah it is kind of calling out the sword um yeah i mean i, I i'm not a big fan of dream sequences in general in films uh and then i felt like this one came a little bit too early in the film where like we don't know sierra uh and what's up with her and uh yeah we haven't like seen art the clown that much since the laundromat um so kind of a weird place to introduce him again yeah we don't know sierra by the way but we do know sienna a little bit oh thanks yeah <laughs> sienna. oh man my autocorrect is uh kicked in here and just <laughs> changed. <it laughs> hey to... dude wait i want to stop for a second yeah i was making fun of you on a prior episode for calling herbs herbs yeah and we were talking about it on discord and hina who lives in the uk Yep. said that that's how they pronounce it over there, herbs. Oh, yeah. There and you I go. was realizing your parents probably learned English in India, right? Uh, probably, yeah. So that they probably sense. learned like... British English. Quote, unquote, the Queen's English and <laughs> learned it as herbs. <laughs> yeah. So I apologize for being a racist for making fun of you for the way you say herbs. Oh, that's all right. I, I'm, I was uh, being racist making fun of you for the way you say herbs, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> like an idiot. <laughs> herbs. <laughs> It's spelled H-E-R-V-S, man. You guys are all pronouncing it the wrong way here. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, you know. Also, is English your, would you call it your second language? 
<laughs> it seems like, like did it you sometimes. grow up? Uh, did you grow up speaking English first? I did. Shockingly, did, was that the first language you learned? Um, yeah, I think so. Uh, I think I, I learned them both like uh, at the same time. So I probably took okay. some shortcuts on both. Uh, at the, you know together. Uh, okay, picking so, different ones along the way. The listeners and me don't have to worry about making fun of you for anything you say except herbs with a hard H. <laughs> All right. That one That's I think fair. legitimate. Okay. And, and I think and it's okay to make fun of you for pronouncing it the way you pronounce it, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, right. cool. All right. You and all the UK listeners can make fun of me. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Okay. So the next day, her brother Jonathan sees Art the Clown and the young clown girl at uh, his school they're playing with the dead possum in the hallway they throw the dead possum at him and he runs away but a teacher sees this um, and assumes that Jonathan was playing with this dead possum and calls his mother and Jonathan gets in a bunch of trouble uh, hey what would you think about this whole family Jonathan, his mother, Sienna I like the dynamic I like the way it was written and what they were going for I think the mother is not giving a great performance. I think it's a pretty one-note performance, yeah. and I, I, I think she really... Whatever they were working towards is kind of undercut by that performance a little bit. <laughs> not to call anybody yeah. out, but that was the way I felt. Well, how about you? Uh, I, I felt the same. I, I don't know if I would just say the mother, though. I feel like uh, even Sienna and Jonathan, like there were... Maybe given like, hey, your character feels uh, um, scared or your character feels worried. Like there was like one adjective that was like given to each of the actors here. And the, like the whole film, they kind of like play on that uh, mood. Like Jonathan's like, oh, it's like got this like look of like concern or like uh, sadness on his face. And Sienna's like kind of similar. Uh, so, yeah, I, I didn't think they, there was a lot of range here with the, the acting. I, d I disagree. I think there was more nuance to Lauren Levera's performance and uh, Elliot Fulham Fulham's performance, Sienna and Jonathan. Hmm. But I would totally agree with you for the mom. It, it was like angry. You're angry. Just angry. <laughs> and, and she was the same angry the whole time. It, it wasn't dynamic. It yeah. didn't have much nuance. It was just like a very static performance. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, Sure. So it made the family dynamic feel a little off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, so, uh, meanwhile, Sienna goes to a Halloween store to buy these wings that are part of her costume that had burned the night before. There, she runs into Art that Clown, who kind of playfully stalks her in the store. When Sienna leaves the store... Art brutally kills the store employee. I think, you know, I, I start to forget these kills, but this is the one where I think he takes, like, a glass bottle and smashes it into the dude's head, right? Yeah, yeah. I can't remember if he, like, smashes it into his face or his neck or something, but yeah. Yep. Yeah, there's some glass-on-skin thing. Yeah, it's correct. Yeah. Um, I, I enjoy this, man. Like, I, I think this is Art at his best when he's, like, kind of... Uh, he's not like killing someone, but he's like just being creepy as shit and like kind of funny, uh, but like yet yeah, in a really haunting way. Uh, what would you think of this scene? I, 
I completely agree. I think there's some legit suspense here in the costume store, and this is something that sets arts aside, art aside from other slasher villains, because as I was talking about before with the whole slasher versus talking torture porn, it's like, oh, where are they? Art has the ability to be like, I'm right here, but am I a dude in a costume, or am I something more, and I'm just going to hang out and be unsettling <laughs> and weird yeah. and make you uncomfortable and as the viewer, too, you're like, am I just going to be uncomfortable and then everyone's going to walk away from the situation fine? Or is he going to, like, shove mashed potatoes into somebody's wide-open face? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. There's, there's a crazy unpredictability about him. And, yeah, you yes, never know what's going to Yeah, very unpredictable. Yeah. Uh, so that's fun to see. Um, later that night, Sienna's friend Allie is handing out candy when Art shows up, and I think, to your point, like, he's kind of threatening her at the door and, like, not going away. She finally gives him some candy and he goes away, but then he comes back and later he breaks through a window and he attacks her, and this, I think, this scene um, is just, like, one of the craziest scenes that I I feel like we've seen in this club so far. It's, like, a five-minute extended sequence of, like, first he, like, slashes her face, with scissors then he like rips her scalp off then he's like ripping into her back there's like some cutting of the arm happening and ripping that off and then ripping off the skin of her face it's just like non-stop just uh tearing into her uh, how, how did you handle this it's just like all the things you can do to a person he does to her he literally gets out bleach and salt at one point oh, and yeah, bleach on her wounds and salt in her wounds yeah and it is very gruesome. So gruesome. Uh, I and I was prepared for this too because I had heard talks of quote unquote the bedroom scene and didn't realize that it the bedroom scene has its own little section of on the Wikipedia page. Oh, it's yeah. like become known <laughs> as just like if you say the bedroom scene, people know what you're talking about. Yeah. Rightfully so. It is probably the most violent scene. I mean, I don't know. We've seen some violent stuff. It's hard to come up with something more violent than this mm-hmm. in my memory. Yeah, I agree. Um, but I, I have a hard time saying I liked it, but it's inventive, <laughs> it's intense, it achieves its desired effect, it looks good, like the effects are good. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think about it? Uh, I agree. Like, I mean, I, I think everything you're saying is very effective and it works. It's just like so hard to watch. But yeah, that's like the exactly the, the goal of the scene. Um, so it's like not my cup of uh, tea. But um, yeah, I think what they did, they did really well. And like you keep just wanting her to like be dead and like it be over with. But it just like keeps going on. And one thing I found interesting too, back to Damien Leone, like, going back to the drawing board and like focusing on the screenwriting and stuff mm-hmm. as she's being killed she's like as art's kind of about to deal what we feel like is probably the final blow she looks up at like a photo of her friends on the ceiling or up high on the wall and they've already shown so much of what art has done to her like in vivid detail but for his like final blows yeah. they don't show the impact of those and instead they show blood splatter on like white flowers she's got on the wall on a photo of her friends Mm -hmm. on her Halloween costume that like represents the hope she has for the night on her phone which represents like the salvation that was like so close at hand if she could have called somebody sure 
this is something the first film didn't seem to bother with, like capturing emotional impact, characters mattering, giving us external signals that what's happening matters like on an internal level to people's feelings and their world and their lives. So it was cool to see that intermingled with the vicious ultra violence. It it made the movie seem like, okay, it's not just trying to be this sideshow of violence and pure exploitation. It's aiming to be a full, fully fledged movie. Not that the first one wasn't, but it's aiming for something broader in scope. It's layering in some some elements of tragedy, maybe. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, and, and I think also does that, uh, like her mom then comes home and sees her, and rather than just seeing like her dead daughter there, like she's actually like somehow still like hanging on to life and like says like mom. Uh, so yeah, I think you're right. It does kind of play up the the human angle of, of uh, this this murder. And I think just this one scene, and I was unclear on whether or not the budget was two hundred fifty thousand as a total for the movie, or if two hundred fifty thousand was just what they got from like an indie go go or Kickstarter yeah. campaign for the specific scene. Yeah, because I also already secured finance through private means. So yeah. That was a little unclear to me. Yeah, same. Uh, What do you think? Like, would 250 have covered all this, or do you feel like that's kind of low? That seems low for some of the I don't know, man. I don't know. And he talked about some of the details, like having, you know, blood, like blood pumping, like underneath her, or her breathing under, like tubes inflated and deflated underneath her, and like digitally inserting like an eye into this, like, it's a basically an animatronic at the end that says mom. Um, it sounds pretty elaborate. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised. I have no idea what kind of money it costs to do a scene like this. But if someone told me, hey, that, that alone cost 250 k I wouldn't be surprised. It had to have cost weeks, too, just of people's time. Like, I know he, the special effects are under his name, but I got to believe he's got a team helping him with that. So... Their time, their pay, I don't know. Yeah, especially on like such an elaborate scene. Yeah. Yeah. They they went all out here and uh yeah, I think they, they did an, a great job. Like these are great practical effects. I don't think anyone's gonna be disappointed or say I wish that, that was more violent. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> yeah. Uh so meanwhile, Sienna uh oh, I guess like, to wrap up that scene, uh the mom comes home and then we see art the clown like you go from this like crazy kill and like to your point like pretty tragic as as well and and like a uh, heartfelt a little bit and then um you see art the clown handing out candy to kids using the mom's head as like a candy bowl so it's kind of interesting how it like goes from one sense of like insane insanity to like another uh more like black comedy a little bit um so meanwhile sienna she's at this bumpin halloween party her friend slips her some molly so she's finally lightening up for the first time in the film and even while she's lightening up she's going on about her dad and this costume that she's put together because her dad drew it on a piece of paper blah blah and then she gets a call at the party from her mom who claims that her brother vandalized uh her car um, Sienna tells her mom to calm down and that she loves her. I think this is supposed to be like kind of a sentimental moment for like, you know, you're talking about like the mom being like angry the whole time. Like this is maybe the one moment where like there's supposed to be some connection with the characters or softening. 
Yeah, right. She, and she's like on Molly and she's feeling love and tenderness and like good vibes. So she's just like, I love you, mom. Yeah, exactly. And the mom's like taking aback and it's like, oh, oh I oh. love you too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Um, but uh, so at home, her mother is wiping her car down when suddenly Art the Clown pops up in the car and straight up shoots her head off. Uh, I, I always think it's funny that Art the Clown, like, unlike other villains, he, like, gun violence, I think that was also a thing in the first one, too, right? He'll sometimes just, like, totally out, out of nowhere come out of, uh, come out with a gun and, like, just shoot someone, right? I love it. And I, <laughs> that sounds horrible, but, like, I've talked many <laughs> times throughout the podcast about how guns terrify me and they're a very serious problem in our society and so I think if you're going mega slasher then yeah why not have him use guns too it's yeah. terrifying it is it is it works and it takes you by surprise sometimes yes uh, yes it's a dynamic element to add into the mix of a the normal tired slasher formula exactly yep so uh yeah he's killed the mother her head comes off Jonathan comes back home and he sees his dead mother at the table her head's blown off but uh art the clown is shoving mashed potatoes into her disfigured face um and then he chases jonathan upstairs and kidnaps him um i think a lot of people have called out that scene as well right the mashed potatoes being fed to the dead mother yeah that's pretty pretty vicious and it's funny alex mentioned the splatter subgenre that specific moment of the movie made me think about a movie called Wizard of Gore by Herschel Gordon Lewis, who is essentially the godfather of the splatter genre with his film Blood Feast, which is often referred to as like the first splatter movie. And Wizard of Gore featured a guy just like really like moving his hands around in the gore of people's innards. Oh. And it's pretty gross. Um, yeah. And so that was just like very pure splatter at its, at the very core of what splatter has been from the get go. That's sure. Yeah. Moving your hands around and <laughs> moving your hands around in someone's innards is <laughs> pretty repulsive. Uh, yeah. It depends on the type of movie you're watching, but yeah, I hear you. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, where are we? Um, oh, so how did she <laughs> damn you neither <laughs> of us can think straight now I know. um oh yeah so art has kidnapped jonathan um and he tricks or somehow he gets the clown girl well so sienna's at this halloween party and she starts freaking out because she sees the dead clown girl uh in the crowd like kind of watching her so her friends take her home. They're upset that they have to leave the party. But on the way home, she gets a call from her brother telling her that she needs to come to this abandoned amusement park to pick him up. But we see that it's actually this clown girl who's with, with Art the Clown uh, calling and doing Jonathan's voice. How? How? Do you know how this happened? Like, how is she doing Jonathan's voice? I mean, Art is a supernatural entity. This girl is clearly a supernatural entity because we know mostly only Art can see her. We see the guy in the laundry room sees Art talking to nobody when we see Art talking to the little girl. Sienna and Jonathan somehow have a way of seeing the little girl, so something's up there. Um, I don't know what, but 
yeah, I wasn't thrown. I, I think that's what's so creepy about Art too is that he's he's supernatural. Some slasher villains, you we get hints of it and it's mysterious, but I think we're pretty plain about the fact that Art is supernatural. We just don't know all the boundaries and the rules of of how and what and what the limitations of that are, which I'm fine with. Yeah, I agree with respect to art. I think I'm just getting like so confused by this uh, little clown girl and like the fact no one can see her and that now she can do voices that people can hear and use a phone. So that's uh, impressive. Yeah, I kind of just view her as like an extension of art. Hmm. But that actually is familiar, if you will. Yeah. Okay. It's familiar. (laughs) Uh, So at this amusement park, which I think is a pretty cool backdrop. uh, But yeah, it's, it's, it's always fun to be at an abandoned amusement park. Uh, Sienna searches for her brother. Meanwhile, her friend and her boyfriend are attacked by Art the Clown, who cuts off her boyfriend's penis and then throws acid on the face of the friend, killing her. I thought the kill, the way he killed the boyfriend was cool because he had a shirt on that said only the tip or something. So it's just the fitting. tip, yeah. And yeah, Art just... wrote it on the windshield right before he <laughs> cut it off. Yeah, that was great. Um, uh, also, oh, I mean, after he throws acid on her face and it bubbles, he, like, bludgeons her so hard that he just demolishes her torso. Oh. And then takes her heart out and eats it. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that part. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I, I don't know. Maybe I had to, like, close my eyes for a lot of this. This pretty <laughs> rough. Um, it is vividly violent. Yeah. Also, I, I don't know. I think it's worth calling out, like, there's about 30 minutes left from here. Dialogue and plots uh, aren't are, are, have like kind of paused for now, and the next thirty minutes are just like screaming. So Sienna finds her brother. They face off with Art the Clown, and it's basically just them taking turns knocking the other one out and thinking they're escaping, and then the other one coming back and knocking the other out. They just kind of like go back and forth on this, where Sienna will like stab art and he's down and they start to run and then art comes back and stabs sienna and then she's down and then art chases jonathan and then sienna comes back so this kind of goes back and forth for a little bit and then finally at some point art stabs sienna with her father's sword and throws her into this hole in the ground which lands her back in that clown cafe that we saw from the dream in the beginning some kind of magic happens here and her father's sword glows and brings Sienna back to life, and she uses the sword to come and finally cut off Art's head. He and he was at the time trying to eat Jonathan's leg, so that ends. And then uh, the clown girl shows up, picks up his head, and and walks away. Uh, what'd you think of like this third act? I mean, uh, to to me, it kind of got really repetitive, and the plot kind of stalled, and wasn't much dialogue here, and a lot of like yeah, going back and forth between who's like getting who out. But what did you think? So, like I said, I had my guard up to call this movie out for being bloated. And after that dream sequence, which I thought was a little long, I I wasn't feeling that way. I was like, okay, you know, the pacing's pretty good. I'm okay with all the things it's doing. It's either moving the plot forward or creating a scene that is so amazingly violent that it's just worth including in the film. But yeah. About the start of the third act, I started to realize, okay, I still have a lot more of this movie to go, and that's when it did start to drag. Like, the third act specifically was the problem. Uh, it dragged, and it and it felt 
It felt a little bit sloppy too. Like you said, kind of, it just didn't seem very well mapped out or planned out. It was just a lot of the same thing over and over again. And I feel like the movie so far really had felt like tight and taut, even though it was long, and working towards something and dropping hints of things that were going to presumably pan out, come to fruition, reveal themselves in some way. They never do. Uh, Some of the things that they set up never really truly reveal themselves, and it's unsatisfying. Uh, Not that the third act sucks, but it does start to drag, especially after post-eating that heart, it starts to slow down, and, and the urgency can only amp up so much when circumstances aren't changing that much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah, I feel like the face-off between them just keeps going on. What did you think about like this magic element that kind of came in uh, here with the sword and her falling into like this dream sequence again? That was really frustrating to me because they're setting it up throughout the whole film. You know, her Halloween costume catches fire and the sword doesn't burn. It's in the middle of the fire, but it emerges unscathed. So you know something's up. And the sword somehow brings her back to life, and her dad had a brain tumor and was, like, seeing stuff and drew her as the hero in the sword and drew pictures of art even. So it's at some point I thought art was going to be revealed as their dad. Same, yeah. But since that didn't happen, I was like, okay, well, maybe he somehow connected to this supernatural world in which art exists in, and maybe that's the case, but... To see the sword bring her back to life, and it, it just, I don't know, without any more explanation than that, it was just super unclear. Like, what actually is going on? And I, I'm sure in part three, we'll learn more about that, because they are, sounds like already doing preliminary work on the next film, but it it felt a little, I don't know, frustrating? Like, I don't know, what do you think? Yeah, no, I, I agree, man. I, I think the whole movie are kind of getting hit over the head with the fact that, like, the sword is going to come into play, that, like, the dad knew something. Uh, even the brother, like, he's, like, obsessed with this, like, oh, but dad's drawings uh, call this and it has to be you. It's like we're really being fed this, like, every half hour or something, uh, this narrative, like, yeah, you know, like, this is how it's going to go. And so uh, we kind of see, like, it's not like a surprise when it happens, but, like, the why is, like, what you never really get under and uh yeah maybe that's going to come in a future film but in this one it just kind of feels like frustrating yeah right they're guiding and guiding and guiding and guiding us and then there's just like yeah we told you something was up with that sword but (laughs) i guess we don't know what (laughs) and it's just it felt like a cop-out almost and maybe we will learn more in the next film but i'm not i'm not on board with that kind of stuff like it's like the halloween kills effect where i don't think you can justify a feature-length film if it's just to set things up for the next film. That is not what Terrifier 2 is at all, but this specific element made me feel that way. Sure. Now, I, I agree with your thing you said about the third act uh, there and, uh, and the magic stuff uh, kind of not being very well explained. Um, and, uh, yeah, the one thing that wraps up this film is, is there's a post credit scene where the survivor from the first film, who is now in a hospital after she murdered the anchor woman is in a, is uh, giving birth to Art the Clown's head and Chris Jericho. Is that his name? Yep, Chris Jericho. 
yeah, he's some wrestler, I guess, and uh, he's working at the hospital. So uh, we got some more ahead. I think there's going to be a part three, maybe even a part four. But what would you think of this one? I like this movie. I, I think that it did a lot right. I might differ from you in that it sounds like you may not have enjoyed all of Lauren Lavera's performance, but I thought it was actually fantastic. I think they put in effort to flesh out the character specifically, but also she put on a really good performance. I feel like she's a really strong final girl, the way she's written and the way she's performed. So I was a fan of that. Again, a fan of the fact that they're trying to sincerely make a movie with a plot and characters. Mom's acting kind of threw me off a little bit. Um, The third act, things fell apart for me. Not entirely, but like we said, it, it didn't feel as climactic as what the movie was working toward in terms of the plot, in terms of characters, and just like the catharsis that you wanted for that family and for those characters. Yes, she defeats Art, but for everything the movie did so big and like just knocked out of the park, it kind of just fizzled here. Um, yeah. And I just, yeah, I, I would have liked to know what the story was. And she had, we'd also had some hints that like she was taking medication throughout. They never quite point to that. I don't need to know everything. I, mm. I'm okay with just having some hints but You're talking it about just Sienna, constantly right? Sienna, yeah. Yeah. It just constantly felt like there's a foreshadowing of something about to happen that never really happened. Never happened. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I think I agree with everything you said. I mean obviously I think that the thing that like really stands out in this film are those kills and the practical effects that went there. Um and like for people who are into that type of thing, like this movie does probably one of the best jobs uh in showing like some amazingly brutal kills. Um, but I agree with you on the third act. It's it's cool that they expanded the scope here to try to build out uh, a bigger storyline and more main characters. Uh, but I, I agree with you that the mother uh, acting was great. Laura, I, I struggle with Sienna's character because um, it, it's interesting to hear you think that uh, she was like kind of a fleshed out character. Because I feel like all we know about her is that she's obsessed with this Halloween costume that her dad made, and it's going to have some significance. Like, what What else do we know? Like, her, her friends kind of suck. Their conversation's terrible. Um, I, I don't know. Like, did she have much else outside of this person who's trying to make a Halloween costume that her dad liked? Um, Good question. I feel like maybe it's a bit of a Laurie Strode effect where we don't know everything about Laurie Strode's life situation and her circumstances, but due to the way she responds to situations, the choices she makes, and the performance she gives, we feel like we get to know her and she's established as, you know, one one of the best, if not the best final girl. I feel like it's similar with Sienna. I'm not saying she is Laurie Strode caliber. I'm not saying she's not, but we see her interact with her brother. We see her make specific decisions about her family. We see her say angry things to her family. We see her say kind things to her family. We see her deal with her friends who aren't that great. Mm-hmm. We see her go through a lot in this movie, and we see her react to it, you know, via micro expressions or things she says, things she does, things she doesn't do. There's yeah. a lot of opportunity for, for us to just see how she works, even though we don't know 
every single thing about her life. <laughs> yeah, I, I literally showed like we, we got so much. We got to see her in different settings, like hanging out with a friend in a car, smoking weed, uh, looking out the window, babysitting. So yeah, you see her in all these different facets. Uh, you pick up on different elements of her personality. In this one, I feel like every conversation in this film. Uh, hits on like one of four subjects one's like art the clown that murder two is like the dad three is um the halloween costume and uh probably one other uh topic but i i, I feel like every character interaction uh no matter where they were whether it was like at a halloween party or at home or in school uh i feel like all the characters were only talking about like four things the, the whole film, uh, which I think limits then your ability to understand who they are outside of like the title and the, the premise of the film. Interesting. You think Lauren could, or, uh, Sienna could have used, a uh, Ben Tramer? Yeah. Yeah. Object for her affection, maybe? <laughs> exactly. Something, right? Uh, I think the Molly helped a little bit. I mean, uh, that yeah. almost, almost got her sidetracked, but again, when she was on Molly again, she's talking about her dad and the Halloween costume and stuff so I, I just feel like there were uh the the dialogue here was like too uh constrained i think see i would almost disagree and think that that's something she doesn't have on laurie Strode as a character we know her tragic backstory which is kind of her flaw or struggle throughout the film is she's so dedicated to this costume and living out what a vision her dad had um laurie Strode doesn't have anything like that so yeah is two different approaches to to a character and fleshing them out. I don't think one's any better than the other, but I certainly don't think there was much. I don't think this character was shortchanged by the screenplay or yeah. the performance. Uh, yeah. So, so you're saying like this one, she has like this emotional trauma of baggage that she's bringing where like Laurie Strode might not have. Um, so yeah, I guess maybe, yeah, you can't compare them, I guess. But I, I think you're minimizing her to that trauma in a way. Like you're saying like everything she does has to be like tied to the fact that she lost her dad and her dad drew pictures and uh, she wants to make this Halloween costume uh, about her dad. And, like there's nothing more to her. So I, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like you're, you're missing out on the rest of her person sometimes. Uh, yeah, okay. I totally get that. I think that's a really cool commentary on that I think that's an interesting discussion about it it's almost a difference between a mapped out plot like A to B and here's the the spreadsheet about this character it's like the difference between that and a movie that's more like a character study where you're just kind of watching them live in the world and interact in different environments Mm -hmm. so I I mean I certainly don't think of Halloween as a character study of Laurie Strode that's not what I'm saying but it's the argument you're making is somewhere down that road like you sure and i think i've even argued the same thing in the past that sometimes you can learn more from a character just by watching yeah how they are in in their day-to-day life and you're saying we don't really see her in day-to-day life we see her yeah except, dealing with four specific problems tops. yeah except i think we do see her in everyday life but she like in each of those settings she's still talking about like the same thing pretty much sure uh so yeah i, I just feel like her character could have been a little bit more um, fleshed out and, and just like reading his idea for the character it seemed more about like this idea of create a, op- a character opposite of Art the Clown who wears wings and is like the hero to the story and that's pretty much what he did to like the, the dot but uh, I think he left some uh, stuff on the ground or on the floor potentially yeah it's interesting to hear him say that because she's not I don't know she's not like painted as this do-gooder hero but at the same time 
one of the other characters or friends comments like I think she's actually doing pretty well for herself that oh, yeah. her dad just like burnt to death in a car not that long ago and yeah. supposedly you could hear his screams for miles like <laughs> it's a horrible tragic thing that happened to her dad yeah um but you're right shame on her for for having to deal with that and <laughs> letting it be so much of a focus of her life exactly right like move on it's stupid idiot <laughs> exactly dude even that line like how her friend says it you could hear him scream for miles <laughs> like i don't know do you feel like the dialogue was maybe missing something here I think the dialogue from the friends was pretty typical final girlfriend slasher dialogue. <laughs> like okay. they're kind of like stupid and insensitive and annoying and you're not too sad when they die. Okay. <laughs> they're what they need to be. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Although I think the bedroom scene girl was more sensitive and a true friend. What's her name was just a total ass that who yeah. slipped her molly without telling her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, I, You know, yeah, I, I had mixed feelings about that. Like, yeah, she's, you know, helping her out a little bit because her friend's, like, been down and probably wouldn't have agreed to take the molly and seemed to be, the molly, you know, had, had a pretty positive impact. But um, I get it. Like, you don't want to drug your friends. Uh, you, don't want that, you don't want that to be what you're known for. It's a gray area, maybe. The next time we... <laughs> Record in person if you're disagreeing with me. I'll just yeah. slip you some Molly and <laughs> yeah. see how you feel about my choice to do that. Now we know the trick. Yep. Um, let's see. Anything else you want to call out? Uh, how'd you feel about like, you know, there's like an 80s or go ahead. Yeah. What, what are you going to say? I wanted to call out the production design specifically in the haunted house of this carnival or fun house or whatever. Yeah. That was a scary setting and pretty cool. Uh, probably took a lot of work. I, I think that was a great setting, mm-hmm. a lot of great visuals there. That I agree, fun. man. Yeah, that was a great like final setting for the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really cool stuff. Uh, I'd love to go to a haunted house like that. Like, I don't think I've seen anything like that before. Like, awesome. same, same. Um, what do you think of like the the music? I, I felt like there was like a big '80s vibe carried through the music here. I thought the aesthetic of the music, like the vibe and mood of the music was great and really perfectly fit the film. Mm -hmm. The score itself and like specifically the notes and melodies and everything were good, not great. Yeah, nothing stand out. Yeah. Yeah, same. I mean, it kind of took me by surprise uh, when it comes in during the credits uh, and at the beginning. It's kind of like an upbeat 80s song, not really like that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I like that type of music and stuff, but I agree throughout yeah. the film that it, it's kind of downplayed. Right. Um, cool. Well, then do you want to jump to the rating or anything else? Let's do it. Jump to the rating. All right. How many penis tips would you give this one? <laughs> I gave this 3.5 out of 5. So is, is 0.5 of a tip like an eighth of a penis? <laughs> we won't get too deep into the math. No yeah. pun intended. 3.5 <laughs> out of 5 is what I give this movie. Okay. It was on its way to a 4. Damn. But the third act, he bumped it down a half of a half of a tip. Yeah, damn, dude, I feel like we've switched uh, since you were low on the first one, high on this one. I only came in at two and a half penis tips on this one, uh, mm. and you know, I I think uh, like a lot of the the gore and stuff is like great, but yeah, I think personally for me, it's like not like what I enjoy seeing, and I think I would have valued more plot, more action in the third sequence, better dialogue and story, and better characters, and some less. Uh, unknowns maybe could kind of help me get through this but uh i sure still like very artistic and and done really well for what it was going for. yeah i mean those kills like 
we probably haven't talked enough about them. Like they are show stopping, unparalleled, ridiculously over the top. Yeah, displays of violence. Alex, when I sent him the Ohio Connection, I assume he read the plot of the movie. Couldn't believe we watched a movie like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's one of those movies where if you describe to somebody else what you were watching or they saw over your shoulder, they'd probably think less of you as a human being. <laughs> yeah. Dude, uh, yeah, my mother-in-law was upstairs and she's like, I just heard like screaming for like the last hour. What are you watching? <laughs> like, I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> so yeah, I feel very judged for having watched this. <laughs> yeah, just, don't worry. It was way worse than it even sounded. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> She's like, well, we're people being murdered, and it's like, yeah, that's one one way to put it. In <laughs> <laughs> the the Wikipedia plot description had the phrase "mutilated to death" oh, regarding God. the bedroom scene, and I was like, gee, that's yeah. sadly accurate. Yeah, <laughs> mutilated to death. Good lord. All right, well, that's under our belts, uh, and hopefully, we, yeah, I, I don't know. I could take a break from some of this gore for a while. I don't know how you're feeling. Okay. All right, I'll keep that in mind. All right. All right, then. Anything else? Should we wrap up? Let's wrap up. All right. Well, that is going to be it for our discussion on Terrifier 2. If you enjoyed the episode, we would welcome a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That'll help other people find the show. And we always welcome the feedback. If you want to support our show, you can find a Patreon. Uh, you can find us on Patreon at horrormovieclub.com slash Patreon. Is that right? Patreon.com slash Horror Movie Club. Or you can go to HorrorMovieClub.com and just click the orange button. Oh, yeah. The Patreon. Yeah. yeah on, on there, too, you can also find a link to our Discord server where we're chatting up with some other listeners. Uh, so you can join that and join the conversation. Uh, you can find some of our merchandise on Amy May Pop Art. Uh, oh, shit. Uh, dude, man, I, I can't find the ending script. Um, I should have this memorized, right? You should. Yeah. Uh, our logo is by Amy May Pop Art. You can find her and some merchandise to our show at amymaypopart.com. Etsy. <laughs> 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 You're on a struggle bus. Oh Etsy.com. Just search Amy May Pop Art, all one word. Okay. Thanks. Hey, you're doing good. Keep Damn. going. Uh, all right. Oh, um, we'll be posting the movie that we'll be watching on Facebook and Twitter in case you want to catch it before the next episode. And I think that's it. So until next time, uh, if you're enjoying this holiday season and having some mashed potatoes, but you have family members who refuse to eat your mashed potatoes, just uh, mutilate them to death and then you can shove it in their faces as much as you want. Right. You can put the mashed potatoes anywhere at that point. Yeah. Yeah. It's all fair game. Just uh, fingers inside of things. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>